0: Hi, I'm Fioni. I'm a mother, a birth keeper, a teacher, a woman's mentor, a body worker, a doula, and so much more. Hi, I'm Deborah,
1: I'm a mother, a humanitarian worker, a yoga teacher, and a student doula.
0: In this podcast, we bring together women who share their journeys to motherhood with us.
1: We want women to share their doubts, their fears, what they've learned along the way, and their memories. Our goal is to inspire, inform, and
0: empower Each woman is unique and has a story to tell. We hope that you'll love these stories as much as we do. Welcome to the Becoming Mother podcast. Welcome back.
1: How are you, Tony?
0: I'm good, but it is really hot where I am in Johannesburg today. I don't know. How warm is it in Kenya today?
1: It is really warm, but I love it. I, I don't like the cold, actually, so I'm quite happy when it's hot.
0: So I'm really glad that, you know, the listeners can just hear us and not see us. And even though you guys can't really see me, but I'm not wearing much because it's that hot. And I have the door open. <laughs> <Ooh>. so,
2: <laughs> so so yeah, so
0: that's how
1: that's I interesting. am. interesting. <laughs> great. <laughs> in today's episode, we're chatting with my friend Elena, who lives in New York City, She's a writer and um, she has uh, a story to tell that's quite unusual. Uh, First, because uh, she had twin boys and she was not expecting that at all. She had a lot of challenges during her pregnancy. It was not an easy pregnancy. That's how I learned about Bell's palsy. I never heard about it before.
0: So Elena is going to tell us what it is. The reason why we really want listeners to listen today is because, of course, it's another unique story. It's a woman who, yes, as you said, has had huge challenges. And it really was, yeah, I feel like a, an initiation into, um, into parenthood. And I think it's very valuable to see that there are so many similarities in the world. Even though we women are birthing in different countries, there are similarities and there are differences. And to learn more about that.
1: Hi Lena, how are you? <laughs> it's so been so you. long. It's been really long. I was trying to remember when we saw each other last. Elena and I met in Bangkok in 2010. Uh, we were young, fresh out of university, and we were there exploring the world. And uh, we had this really nice group of girlfriends, thanks to whom we stayed sane in such a, a huge, crazy city. And <laughs> and so I have very fond memories of, uh, of that time, and uh, Elena was a big part of it. And we managed to to meet in different places. I went to visit her in New York. She came to visit me in Italy. Um, and then we met in France for another friend's wedding. I missed your wedding because I I was supposed to to come. And then I didn't get a visa to the US because of my work. I went to Somalia and it's on a blacklist. Um, <coughs> so I was super sad to miss uh, your wedding. But I know I will see you again. So I'm super happy to see you. I know, and, who um, knows where,
2: but... Exactly. So,
1: let's start. Do you want to
2: introduce yourself? So, my name is Elena Shepherd. I am a writer. I live in New York City where I'm from. And um I live with my husband, Sam, and our twin boys who are 7 months old and our dog and our cat. So, wow. that's my family. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I know that it is the sweetest story. So
1: I want you to tell us um, how did you and Sam meet?
2: So Sam is also from New York and Sam was in my third grade class. We weren't really friends or anything like that. I mean, we were friendly, but my memories of third grade don't really include Sam. But in fifth grade, Sam and I started going out and he was my first boyfriend. He was my first kiss. We were a couple in middle school, which, you know, means like going to the movies with his dad, chaperoning us, that kind of thing. And then in high school, we hooked up. His mom walked in. I still remember that. That was really shocking to me. And then after high school, we <laughs> kind of got <laughs> no me with my shirt off, which is, you know, its own thing. Um, but after high school, we we went our separate ways. We went to different universities. I moved to Asia for a long time after college. He was here in New York. And then we reconnected in our late 20s. I had a dream about him and I was like, I wonder what happened to Sam. And so I sent him a text message and I was like, we should get a drink. And we got married after that. <laughs> I mean, a few years wow. later, after that, but well, no, we, it was it was kind of crazy, actually. we We went to get drinks and by the end of the drinks, we were both like, oh my God, we're supposed to be together. And he had a girlfriend. I still feel bad about this, but he was like, let me, you know deal with my situation because like I don't want to start this while I'm with somebody else and I was like I'm never going to hear from him again and then two weeks later he called and he was like I broke up with my girlfriend like I'd love to go out and here we are now we've been married for since 2019 so (laughs) yeah I remember
1: last time I I saw you in France you were telling me about him and how you guys knew each other before and I remember you were so uh, sure you told me I'm going to marry this guy. And I was like, wow, she's really sure.
2: <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> what? It's funny. People are always like, how long have you known each other? And I'm like, 27 years. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> a really long time. So that's how I met my husband.
0: What a beautiful story. Oh, that's amazing.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, it is. And so that's lovely that you've known him, you know, I've known him for 27 years. <laughs> and did you always know you wanted to be a mother?
2: I was thinking about that a lot kind of anticipating this conversation. And I always knew I wanted to be a mother. I'm an only child, which I also didn't like very much growing up. So I always knew I wanted to have more than one child. But what really was a complicating factor for me was figuring out timing. Um, When it came down to actually getting pregnant and starting a family, I had like a lot of stress and anxiety about when to do it. Like it never felt like the right time. Mm we're both really invested in our careers those are really important to us and i was really worried about you know taking time out etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah some
1: very valid questions i think that uh, our generation keep wondering right because you on one hand you have your career you study people uh, also start everything later and i think in new york it's not that easy to date and meet someone such a big city and so many options, you know, and people often say that um, dating in New York is quite hard.
2: Dating in New York really sucks, honestly. I'm sure most people in big cities say that, but it's just like, there's so many people, there's so much going on. Even if you meet someone, you're like, well, I like this person a lot, but there's probably somebody who I might like more. So maybe I should just wait. And I feel like everybody kind of has that mentality. Um, My 20s, I was like, I was dating. I had a boyfriend for a while, but I remember feeling like I'm never going to meet someone. I'm never gonna get married. I'm never going to have kids and like being really depressed about that and just like totally not believing that this was going to happen. And then of course it did. And I can't Mm -hmm. imagine it any other way, but I do remember (laughs) that just like horrible anxiety (laughs) (laughs) that like was, it lasted for years, just like being stressed
1: about that, yeah,
0: yeah. I I also had that. I
1: remember. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so, did you always know you wanted to be a mother?
2: I did, and I remember also thinking, like, okay, even if I don't find a partner, I'm going to make this happen for myself, one way or the other, adopt or I don't know. I, I just like I I was very committed to the idea of one day being a mother, one way or another. Lovely. And so,
0: now that you were with Sam, then how did you guys? Did it did it just come up? I mean, was it easy? Was it hard? Was it, how was it getting pregnant? And
2: yeah, I mean, so he, he also always knew he wanted kids and his parents were much, much older. His dad has passed away, but if his dad were alive, he would be in his nineties. He was almost 60 when Sam was born. So wow. Yeah. The way Sam describes it is like his, his dad in particular was more like a grandparent than a parent. And yeah. he really didn't want to replicate that. So he was he was much more ready sooner than I was because he was like, I want to be really active with my kids. I want to be a relatively young dad. And then honestly, we didn't really talk about it at all. We got married in 2019. We didn't talk about it that first year of marriage. And then COVID happened, you know, and we were yeah. locked in a house together for <laughs> months and months and months. And we talked about everything, including when are we going to do this? and I just I kept feeling like I'm not I'm not quite ready. I'm not quite ready. And I think the way that I finally realized that I was ready was that I just I couldn't I couldn't stop thinking about when was the right time. And I was like, I'm thinking about this way too much. Like I need to just like either do something or not. I'm, I'm also 35. I was 34 when I got pregnant. So I had that in my head. And I had like, I want to have more mm. than one kid in my head. So I was constantly doing math like I'm, yeah. I'm super yeah. gay,
0: I'm sure you can tell. You know, but. You know Elena, I, can, I, I, I hear you so much about that because I, you know, I work with pregnant women. And so often when women are trying to get pregnant, they'll contact me and they'll go, yeah, but then if I get pregnant, yeah, and then I can, and then I must have the next. and then, And there's all this pressure and it's actually all outside stuff. It's not actually inside if we really listen. It's more society and the pressure. And, and I remember I also, I, I got pregnant at 33.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I had my
0: son at 33. I got pregnant at 32. And I also remember having this pressure of, you know, when is it going to happen and should I and, you know, all of that. And it's so outside. It's not inside. If we really have to listen inside, it's, you know what I mean, like we know it's all going to be fine. But I think there's so much pressure and, totally, oh, you're 35, and, you know. I
2: totally agree. And also just, like, it's so hard to trust. It's so hard to trust what's happening inside of you that, like, you know what's right for you. That's definitely, like, the hardest thing. <laughs> but then once you do trust yourself, then good things happen. Yeah, I had a note on my computer, like, a sticky note of, like, months <laughs> and years and how old I was going to be. And, oh wow! of course, I had I had twins, so... <laughs> Like, none of it <laughs> none of it mattered anyway cuz two babies happened at once. <laughs> um, Amazing. But, oh, getting pregnant, what? um I got pregnant really easily. That was also a worry of mine, which I think is a pretty universal worry cuz until you yes. you don't know until you do, you know? But I got pregnant the first month that we tried, and I'm very thankful that that was not a hard journey cuz I've had a lot of friends for whom it's been really hard and that just my heart goes out like that that's really complicated.
0: And so, how did you find out that you were pregnant?
2: So, I had covid. <laughs> well, it was all like it was it was November, when was it? November 2021, and we were supposed to go to Mexico. It was like our first trip during the pandemic. We were so excited. It was this insane trip that we had planned with friends. And of course, I got covid and we couldn't go and i oh. was so upset <laughs> and i was quite sick i remember like i'd been vaccinated everything and i sort of imagined that getting covid at that point i would feel like a cold but i i was like sick in bed couldn't get out of bed lost taste and smell like i i just like i was a mess and that was for like 5 5 or 6 days it wasn't i wasn't i was never scared about how sick i was cuz it didn't get to that point but i was like wow i'm, I'm I'm very sick, and then about day five, I was like, "Well, I I didn't get my period. <laughs> like, maybe I should uh, figure out what's going on with my body." And I took a I took a COVID test to see if I was still positive, and I was. And then I took a pregnancy test, and that was also positive. <laughs> so it was this very bizarre moment of just like, "Oh my god!" And also like, then it made so much more sense. Like I was like, "Well." my body is dealing with so many different things right now. Like I'm pregnant and I have COVID. No wonder I feel like crap. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's how I found out. And it was, it was Thanksgiving here in the US and we weren't with our families because wow. of the COVID. And so this was a nice, a nice, happy thing in the midst of all this slog that we felt like we were dealing with. If Sam were on the line, he would tell you that nothing nothing in life prepares you for finding out that you're having twins, which is <laughs> one thousand percent true.
0: <laughs> so, so how did you find out? Yeah, how so did you find out?
2: <laughs> we went to my first appointment, my first ultrasound appointment, um just to make sure everything was okay, and I remember before we went, I was like, "No matter what she says, we'll be fine as long as it's not twins, I can't deal with two babies <laughs> and <laughs> how did you say that? <laughs> I said, that. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I said that to Sam. And um oh, we went, and they did the whole, you know, the, like, thing. Like, here's the heartbeat. And I remember, like, I was just, like, so, like, filled with, like, awe. You know, I can't believe it. Like, there's a little baby. And then she was like, and here's the other heartbeat. And I just burst into tears. Like, I, oh. <laughs> Sam, Sam started oh, cracking God. up. Like Sam's reaction was to just like he was in hysterics and I was (gasps) like a (laughs) (laughs) nervous Yeah, like a nervous like uncontrollable laugh. (laughs) And I was crying and then like I got myself together a few minutes later and I was like, I'm so sorry. Like I'm sure this is like a totally inappropriate reaction. And she was like, Don't worry, everyone cries when they find out they're having twins. (laughs) <laughs> that made me feel a lot better. But that's how we found out it was twins. So you, you didn't expect that at all? No. I mean, Sam Sam has... Tw- I have identical twins, which are completely not genetic. It's just like a, a freak of nature yes. thing. Sam has fraternal twins in his family. And his sister mm-hmm. actually had twins a few months before my twins were born. So okay. it was in my mind, but I, I was thinking fraternal mm-hmm. twins. I wasn't thinking identical twins.
0: Yeah. So frater- yeah. fraternal twins is a boy and a girl.
2: Or just like her twins are boy and boy. Different.
0: It's yeah. Different, but they're different, different eggs, eggs. Whereas yours is an egg that splits and you've got identical twins.
2: Exactly. Mine was one egg yeah. that split. Fraternal twins are two yeah. eggs that get fertilized simultaneously. Yeah. The same you time. That's not something You, you can't you prepare for identical twins. Yeah. yeah. No, it just happens. Um, <laughs> And,
1: true. and it was
2: like but that's what it was like. It was like this every 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 doctor's appointment was like one new huge revelation. So like the first one was you're having twins, the next one was they're identical. And then the next one was, and they're boys. So I felt like every time we went to the doctor, I was like, Oh my god, there's like so much <laughs> Whiplash there is so much,
0: so much to digest and come to terms with because it's huge. I mean, you know, having a baby for the first time and then getting twins for the first time. I mean, it is, it is huge. Yeah. It is really huge on your identity as a woman, as a as a mother, as a wife. It's huge.
2: Yeah, and for the for the relationship also for the relationship. Yeah, yeah no, every there's no facet of your life that is like untouched. And I think also just like practically speaking, we had planned for and anticipated one baby, at least in the beginning. So like our apartment was not large enough for two babies. Ah, we didn't know how we were going to make it work financially. Uh, could we fit two car yep. seats in our car? You know, just like all these things that two babies bring that we were not expecting.
1: <laughs> so what what, what was your what was your guys' discussion after that first appointment when you? why not you were having twins what did you guys say to each other
2: we were we were in total shock (laughs) for a long time we (laughs) were in total shock um both of us but i i think like i very quickly was like wow this is amazing my my dread of the idea of twins transformed like within a, a day i'd say and now i can't imagine any other permutation of our family like twins Twins are an incredible gift and I feel so lucky to have them. But yeah, those early days, it was a lot of like, okay, how are we going to make this work? Like we lived in a, in New York, there are a lot of railroad apartments. I don't know if that means anything to you, but it's basically like the apartment is like one long room. We only had one door in that apartment and that door was to the bathroom. So like every room just like flows into the next one. It's like an old tenement basically it's not set up for families in any way, shape or form, but we were like, Oh, with one baby, it'll be fine. The baby will sleep in the room with us. And like, blah, blah, blah. But then suddenly with two babies, like we just were like, where would we, where are we going to put the cribs? Like there's no space here. There's no privacy. There's no, if two babies are crying, like this apartment is essentially one room. (laughs) So a lot of things like that. And also just like looking at our bank accounts and like, I don't know, babies, babies are expensive and two babies are twice as expensive
1: and especially in new york yes exactly in new york city
2: and the other thing was like yeah. i was imagining you know me and my baby like taking on the city on the subway <laughs> baby in the carrier and then i'm like okay but like how do you do that with two like <laughs> <laughs> so, exactly, yes. it's just like a lot of mental adjustment needed to happen yeah, um maybe. in those early days yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so did you, did you enjoy being pregnant? Um, how did the, uh, you know, how were you in the pregnancy? I mean, did you enjoy it? Obviously, you, you know, you've spoken about how you had to, you know, shift your mind and upgrade your life because there were now two,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, how, how else was the pregnancy?
2: So like ultimately my pregnancy was very difficult, but I have to like bring myself back to the, to the beginning of it, which was actually not that bad. If I think about it, I, I had morning sickness in the beginning, which like, is a real pain. And it makes you just feel horrible. But it didn't last Mm. terribly long. It was essentially my first trimester. And it was also like done by the end of the day. So like, it was really just like, it wasn't like my whole day, like I could, I knew my mornings were going to be crap. And then I could shift and be somewhat normal. Physically, I felt good. I was exercising. Yeah, I would say the, the first few months were, were pretty good. Uh so I found out I was pregnant in November. By March, <laughs> things really started to change for me. Um, so I guess I was four, four or five months pregnant then. I got very, very big very quickly. So with twins, with twins, you almost never carry them to full term. So yeah. Yeah. my doctor was like, You're gonna have these babies by 36 weeks, like at the latest. And so I read a lot about that and advice there is like, okay, if you're going to have these babies early, you want to kind of gain as much weight as you can as quickly as you can so that they're as big as they can be. So I took that to heart (laughs) and I ate a lot and I gained so much weight. And ultimately that was great for the babies and very difficult for me. But, um, by about April, I was like having a hard time moving around comfortably. I had carpal tunnel in my hands. So like I couldn't, mm-hmm. and a writer, So I like use my hands a lot. Couldn't really move my hands oh. very well. Both hands. I, both hands. Then I got COVID again <laughs> and oh. in April and, oh, no. and I was not sick at, I was like, that one was like, Oh, I feel like I have a cold. But after that, I just like, my joints were in severe pain. We lived on the second floor. I could Barely make it up the stairs to the second floor, and I felt. I remember feeling like, in hindsight, I had a very difficult pregnancy. But in, I remember feeling like, well, everybody's pregnancy is hard. Like maybe this is just what it's like. Like maybe no one can move, and we just don't talk about it. But, but I really couldn't move. Like, like it wasn't like, yeah. It it was just normal. like it wasn't. It wasn't normal. It didn't feel like. normal. Um yeah. but then again it was like well these are twins so maybe maybe this is what it's like but it wasn't it was not normal and i think i don't really know what the situation was but i think like it was just like too much weight for my frame i've always been like a small person and i think it just like kind of crushed me and then the inflammation of covid added on to that just like precipitated all of these feelings i mean the saving grace was that the entire pregnancy there can be a lot of complications with twins one twin can yeah. get more nutrients than the other, like, and a, a ton of things can happen, but the whole pregnancy, the babies looked great. So that was my saving grace. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can handle this as long as, as they are looking good. And then in June, things like really went downhill very quickly. <laughs> and that's the so, part of my uh, pregnancy um, that like looms the largest in my head.
1: How many weeks were you at at that point?
2: I was 31 weeks. Sure. Close. I had gained eighty pounds. I don't know what that is in the non-American form kilos. That's it's a lot. It's like basically I basically gained like half my body weight.
0: It's a lot. Yeah, it was yeah. huge.
2: And I remember Sam and I went to a birthday party. We drove there because he was like, "We can't take the train. You're too pregnant." So we drove there, and I I had to like lie down in the back of the car because like everything in my body just hurt so much and just like. In hindsight, why did I do that? Like, I should have just been sitting on my couch. But, like, you want to keep living your life and, you know, powering through. But I should have listened to my body a lot more. Anyway, 31 weeks. um, I still remember it was June 10th. It was a Friday. I, Sam and I were out in our neighborhood just, like, getting a coffee in the middle of the day. I had woken up that morning, and I remember my face felt a little, like, tingly. But I looked in the mirror and like everything looked normal, so I didn't think that much of it. But so we're at coffee and he was like, Oh my god, I don't know what just happened, but your like one half of your face just like collapsed. Oh. And of course, immediately I was like, I'm having a stroke. Like that's what yeah. I thought. Um, yeah. I didn't I didn't look in the mirror because I didn't I didn't, didn't want to see it. I knew see- it was gonna mm-hmm. freak me out too much to see it. Yeah. yeah. So I called my doctor and she was like If you can move, if you can move the rest of your limbs on that side of your body, it's not a stroke. It sounds like Bell's palsy. Um, and I had never heard of that in my life. And she was like, you need to go to the doctor. Like you need to go to the hospital right now. And, Mm -hmm. oh, actually, and in hindsight, the pains in my body had meant that I had gone to the hospital previously (laughs) because they, they were worried Mm -hmm. I had preeclampsia. So I knew exactly where to go because we had done this drill before. (laughs) Um, Okay. So we got in the car. We didn't even go home. Like we just got in the car and and went to the hospital, and uh, it was terrifying. They treated they treated it like a stroke because that's sort of what you do until you know otherwise. And I felt like felt like I was on like Grey's Anatomy or something. You know, like people were like running in and out of the room, like code stroke, code stroke, and like I'm lying on this gurney. Which I ended up being on for like two days, um, oh. and I had to get a cat scan and an MRI. So I'm in those tubes. I am so huge, so I pregnant. I oh. Like, oh my god! I, I can't move. Like my face. Finally, I had looked in the mirror, and my face was like sh- it was shocking. I'm sure people who listen to this, someone out there has had Bell's palsy because it's way more common than I realized. But basically, like yeah. my eye, my It was the right side of my face. My mouth was like, I couldn't move anything on the right side of my face. It was totally paralyzed. Mm. My mouth was like completely shut on that side. My eye was frozen open, but also like drooping down. I just, I was unrecognizable to myself. It took about a day for them to, I, I mean, so yeah. So they, I did all those tests. Is it a stroke? No. Okay. That was like a huge relief. Of course. Huge relief. And then they finally determined that it was Bell's palsy, which is not dangerous. It's just like a horrible, horrible yes. nuisance, <laughs> essentially. Of course. But also doing those tests, they they discovered that my liver was no longer functioning properly because of the pregnancy. So they oh, well, wouldn't let me go. Because
0: the pregnancy is doing the job for three people now. You yeah. and the two boys.
2: Exactly. And so they were like. You're just like you're too high risk to send home. So mm-hmm. they were like, we don't know how long we're going to keep you, but we're going to get you into a room. I, I I remember thinking, I don't, I'm not ready to have these babies yet. Like I, I really wanted to go home. Yeah, we hadn't set up their room. Like I hadn't said bye to my dog. You know, like <laughs> just like I wasn't. Yeah,
1: yeah. you went. You were emotionally ready.
2: No, I we had gone out for coffee. You know, mm-hmm. I was not thinking like mm-hmm. this is this is the day I'm going to have babies. And I was, I, I was 31 weeks, which was also in my head. I was like, these babies are not ready yet. Like I don't, yeah. I don't want them out. I want them in. Um, yeah. And so from then on I was in the hospital and it was just like, it was all about just like keeping the babies in as long as possible. Um, they mm-hmm. wanted me to make it to 34 weeks. Um, so that was the goal. I didn't make it, <laughs> but um that was the goal. Yeah, so what was, week
0: were they born at?
2: They were born at 33 weeks. So pretty good.
0: Oh, well, well done. Yeah, week, uh, yeah, close enough.
2: Close yeah. enough. Um, yeah. So I spent two yeah. weeks in the hospital before they were born. I turned 35 in the hospital. It was kind of sad. And the whole time it was like trying to... I I was mostly distracted by my face. Like that was what was taking my focus probably as like some sort of coping mechanism to not worry too much about the babies. Um, But I was very distracted about my face. Like the nurses would have to come and tape my eye shut at night because I couldn't shut my eye. Just like super dangerous for your cornea. I was still like not really moving very much. So I would like try to do like little shuffly walks down the hallway once a day just to keep my... (laughs) myself going. Yeah, body
0: moving, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: And just like, I like that time is such a blur to me. It was just like my mom, my mom was coming and Sam was coming and they were the only two people allowed in. And they were kind of just trading off so that I wasn't by myself too much. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then I remember, so my birthday is June 14th and on June 16th, I passed what I was like, I I went to the bathroom and I was like, I think that's the mucus plug. Like I, I saw something in the toilet and I was like, that, I think that's what that is. And I told the nurse and she was like, I'm sure like sometimes that happens like weeks before you give birth. Like, don't, don't think too much about it. And I was like, okay, fine. And um, I went to bed and I woke up in the middle of the night and I went to the bathroom and my water broke and I was like, shit, (laughs) shit. And it was actually, it was a night that Sam, it was, Sam spent every night in the hospital with me, except for this one night oh, when my mom oh, was there.
0: Of course. Of course. Of, of course. course uh, yeah.
2: It's
0: yeah. always well, like that. That had works
2: It had to happen like that. And so I woke up my mom and I was like, I think this just happened. And she was like, I'm sure it didn't. Like, you're totally fine. But like, let me get a nurse. <laughs> and so I like get back into my bed and then they take this swab and they test you to see if like the fluid was amniotic yes. fluid. And it was. And by then I was having contractions and I was like, oh, my God, like, Sam's not going to be here when these babies are born. And I was panicking. And so so my mom, it's like three in the morning. Sam's a very deep sleeper, too. My mom calls him (laughs) and he doesn't answer. And I was like, no, like, he's not going to be here. Oh, my God. And she was like, "Okay." I mean, we'll- we can laugh about it now, but
0: it's yeah. not funny. No, <laughs> At exactly. the time, it's not funny no.
2: in the moment. And like, I was also thinking back to this time and being like, "How did I get through that?" And I remember, anytime my mind went in any direction that wasn't about the present moment, I was like, "No, you can't do that. You have to stay like immediately where you are," because otherwise, I was just going to get too nervous about what was happening with the babies, too nervous about what was happening yeah. with my face, with my liver. Like, how long am I gonna be in the hospital? Like, I just like, I was like, nope. It is just here and now and that's it. Well done, well Um, done. Mm -hmm. Really hard to do. But I think it was like a total coping mechanism that worked at the time. But anyway, finally, Sam answered the phone. (laughs) Eventually. (laughs) And he he answered the phone and he was like, you know, in bed with our dog, like not ready to fly up to the (laughs) hospital, but he did. and. He was there in record time, honestly. Yeah, I was I was in labor, I was having contractions. I had always planned to have a C section, mostly because of the nature of the pregnancy with the twins. Yeah. And they're identical. And they're identical, so it was like
0: one placenta.
2: One placenta, two sacks. Yeah. But complicated. And my doctor Oh, and my doctor was on vacation for the record. Oh, <laughs> so just to throw that in. Just to throw that in. (laughs) As well. I I like forget about that point. Just (laughs) Just to keep it interesting. (laughs) She was on vacation. Oh my God, Elena. But she and I had always discussed that I was going to have a C-section because this type of twins often, one one baby is delivered vaginally and then the next baby is a C-section. And I was like, I can't deal with that. Like I can't deal with (laughs) like a double whammy of recovery. Like absolutely not. Yeah.
1: I completely understand.
2: So yes, that was, anyway, so they, 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 Sam arrives, they, I'm on the, I was on the, I guess the 12th floor or something, and then labor and delivery was on the floor beneath, so we had to get down to that floor, I'm on a bed, you know, it's like full ER style, we get to the, (laughs) we get to the room, and like, this was like the most, can i curse fucked up thing that. Yes, of happened. course <laughs> but then no they start bringing in like this is like so Amer- this is so american but they start bringing in like like hospital bureaucrats to like read me fine print and i was like no I was, oh, like, i'm not listening to anything you're saying right now like <laughs> oh, my God. get out of this room <laughs> and it was like it was like questions about like what like the, the the babies, if they're 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 gonna be in the NICU, so like what like all I was like, I don't know what you're saying to me, I don't know who you are, you need to exit this room right now. Like get out of here. Yeah. Oh, also backtrack, they had given me steroids.
0: Yes, uh, for the lungs.
2: For Baby the baby's lungs. lungs. So that was a good thing. But yes, that had happened. So that was also part of the the bureaucrat coming in and being like, the steroids and I was like, I don't care. Get out of here, sir. <laughs>
0: The, the last thing to develop in a baby is the lungs, mm-hmm. are the lungs. So what we want to do is if they are prim, which is considered any time before 36 weeks, and especially with twins because we know they come earlier, then they want to give you steroids, and that helps to mature baby's lungs so that they are ready for life on Earth and being able to use their lungs without then being hooked up to too many machines, uh, et cetera.
2: Exactly. Yeah. They give me an option of whether or not I wanted that, And I did because I was just like, I don't wanna do anything that would make life harder for these babies once they're born. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so then yeah, I'm having contractions. And Deborah, I I listened to your episode and you were so prepared for your birth. Like (laughs) I just I was so impressed by like how how much you knew about what was gonna happen and what you needed to do and your body. I was so unprepared. <laughs> like,
1: I, yeah, I was going I to been, ask like, you, did you do have... any preparation? Um, not
2: no. At all. Because I, I know did, you read a lot, I so zero.
1: I imagine that you read a lot about pregnancy and so on.
2: I read a lot about pregnancy and I read a lot about like how to, how to beef up your twin babies in utero <laughs> um, <laughs> and like eat and things like that. But I had since from the beginning it had been like you're going to have a C-section since you're going to give birth or you're going to have these babies so early it's probably going to be planned, um like, like basically like you're not going to have too much to do so that's what had been in my head so like I planned nothing for the birth, I was completely unprepared for how intense the contractions were, like the doctor who I'd never met before came in and like checked me out and she was like I can feel the baby's head like if you want to deliver this baby like vaginally wow. like go ahead and i was like absolutely not like wow. i <laughs> i'm not doing that There's i'm not changing that. my plan <laughs> so i was like no like i have always thought i was having a c-section give me the c-section how long were you in labor for at that point like three or four hours because they because this was all happening in the middle of the night they were waiting for like one yeah. particular doctor to arrive i think
0: Probably the anesthetist or the pediatrician or the someone.
2: Someone they were waiting. And like the woman who, who arrived, I had met before because I had been in the hospital so long at that point. Like I'd met everyone, <laughs> you know, like everyone had come on some sort of rounds to check on me and she was amazing. And I remember I was, I was really scared probably because I was so unprepared and I'd never, my doctor wasn't there and you know, et cetera. And I remember being like, should I be afraid? And she was like, this is me sitting down at my desk to do work. She was like, I do this 10 times a day. You have nothing to be scared of. And from that moment (laughs) on, I was like, okay, like you are my savior. (laughs) I trust you completely. Do whatever you need to do.
1: Did they give you anything to help you cope with the contractions?
2: Um, So then, so I had been in this room, the bureaucrat room, and then they brought me into the operating room and Sam as well. And they gave me an epidural there and and they were great. Honestly, they were like, this is what's going to happen. They were like, you're probably going to throw up. And like two seconds after they said that I threw up and, and then they were like, and then wow. you're going to be fine. And it feels like some like tugging. They were like, you, you don't feel nothing. You feel like tugging and pressure, but you won't, you shouldn't feel pain. And mm-hmm. that was exactly right. And my sons were born at 5:57 and 5:58 AM. So they were born a minute apart. They were, I mean, the amazing thing about all of this is that they were big. They were, they were big, healthy baby boys and they were born so early that I was so worried. My sister-in-law who had had twins before me had given birth at about the same time in her pregnancy and her twins were in the NICU for months. And that was in my head, just like I didn't want that. I just she was so it was so horribly stressful for her.
1: Of course.
2: Anyway, my my goal for the, my goal as I like beefed up throughout my pregnancy was like, I want these babies to be five pounds each. And they were both more than wow. five pounds each. So well, done. Was, well done, mama. Yeah. <laughs> thrilled. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and they um I saw them briefly in the OR. Um again, Deborah, like listening to your story, I was like, wow, that's Really beautiful, like you were talking about how the three of you had private time together right after you gave birth, and like that's an amazing, special experience. We they they were taken very quickly to the NICU, mm-hmm. and that's where they needed to be at that time. I couldn't see them until I could get up, so I had to right. wait like twelve twelve mm-hmm. hours or so. Can't remember exactly how yeah. long it was. That must have felt quite long for you. It did and it didn't. I was in so much shock and I was so tired from the last few weeks that I just like, Mm -hmm. I remember one of the nurses was like, she was like, this is either going to be a really long day or a really short day. She was like, go to sleep. (laughs) I was like, you're totally right. (laughs) And so I just like, I slept for most of that day. And then that night we went and we met our babies and they were just the best and so cool. And they were big and healthy and they were in the NICU because here- in the U.S., I guess policy is that if they're born before 34 weeks, they have to be. Mm-hmm. But they weren't on any machines; they were in those like little incubators to stay warm because they couldn't regulate yes. their own temperature yet. But um,
1: mm-hmm. and were you able to hold them? We could hold
0: them. Wow, oh,
2: beautiful. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, it was like still like we were in masks and stuff. But I'll tell you, as a person with Bell's palsy, masks are really great because um, <laughs> you don't have to show your face too much. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, I yeah, and how how was your face uh, at that point? Was completely paralyzed.
2: Oh, it was totally paralyzed and horrible. And people people ask me all the time, like how I recovered from the C section and what was that pain like. I do not remember it because the pain in my face was so excruciating that it superseded so- any pain in my abdomen, like at all. Wow, um,
1: and it, that says a lot because recovering from C section is already very painful
2: yeah it just I I mean I took I took Tylenol and stuff like that to manage the pain and I remember that first walk to the NICU I was determined to do it but it was it was hard it was a very hard walk but my face hurt so badly that it it, that was what my brain was focusing on
1: and uh, yeah tell us a bit how you how it was when you met your your twins and how did you feel?
2: Um, it was amazing. So my sons are named Casper and Lyle. Casper, in utero, um, twins are given a designation. So Casper was baby A yes. um, and Lyle <laughs> was baby B. And they did not have names for the first few days. So they were still just A and B in the NICU. <laughs> um, and... Baby A was a little bit bigger and had just absolutely crazy hair. They were both born with a lot of hair. (laughs) Um, And baby B was this tiny little thing. Like it was just a few ounces, but he just looked so delicate next to baby A. And I remember thinking like, oh, my God, like baby B is going to be the one that like I have to like really worry about. I mean, it's all relative like. He was just, he was a few ounces, but a few ounces on a five pound person is a lot. (laughs) It is. But yeah, meeting them, meeting them was incredible. And I remember in the NICU, they, they were in like one little bay of the NICU together. And Casper was on one side and Lyle was on the other side. And Sam and I would just like take turns being with a baby and then we'd switch (laughs) so that we each got enough time. And yeah, I just, I I couldn't believe there were two of them. Like, <laughs> it was all, it was, it was shocking. It was, but, but wonderful. And I was just, I was so relieved that they were here and that they were big mm. and healthy and that all of the complications that I had gone through hadn't affected them at all. Like, it, it was like, it, it was blessing, such a blessing eh? and- I think i I started to feel a lot of the things that I had been worrying about, then they like crescendoed because I just I hadn't let myself worry, so I was just like the relief I felt was like I can't even describe it because I had been just yeah, yeah, holding my breath, I think for a few weeks there, yeah, but
1: they were here, and they were great. I can imagine, yeah, that's beautiful and and for how long uh did you stay at the hospital after a so first?
2: I stayed like three days, two or three days, I can't remember. Um, And they stayed a little bit longer. They stayed five days. So we went home without them, which that was, that Mm, was hard. Um, Yeah. Hard. yeah. Yeah. That was hard. But I also remember like just being like they're in the best hands that they could possibly be in. And like, I had such faith and trust in the NICU team there and the nurses and the doctors that, It made it made leaving easier. I mean, and also New York City is I live in Brooklyn and the hospital was in Manhattan and Manhattan is an island. And I remember like I had like a psychological struggle with the fact that my babies and I were on like two different land masses.
0: And just being like, Oh
2: my God, they're like (sighs) like thinking like now I'm like in an action movie. I'm like, okay, like what if we get like invaded and they're in Manhattan and I'm in Brooklyn, like how do I get to the hospital? How do I like get to them? That
0: mother's instinct hey, kicks in from soon. totally,
2: <laughs> totally just like pure survival.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. All the things that your brain I'm imagines. Ju- are- yeah, I'm just curious, Elena. In in, in America, do they, um, because they, the babies were in ICU, did they give them routine antibiotics for just in case? Is that why they stayed for five um, days? No,
2: they. Uh, so Casper had had a, a breathing episode or a heart. I think it was a heart. No, it was a breathing episode that he had had where he had, because like they weren't hooked up to machines, but they were hooked up to monitors. And one of the monitors had shown that he had stopped breathing for, I don't know, not very long, but like a few seconds and he had self-regulated, but so he had remembered to breathe again and everything was fine. But they had thought that he was going to go home sooner because he was the bigger one. But then that set him back a few days, because as soon as something like that happens, then like, the, the ticker starts from the beginning again. So yeah. he, they needed to yeah. stay a little longer for that. And then I think there was some rule that they needed to get to, I think it was 34 weeks in order to be allowed to go home. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so that's why they were there. And then they both came home on the same day.
0: You did amazing. You really did amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. For, for twins to be born early and to be let home at, you know, before 36 weeks, it's, it doesn't often happen. So I think you really did well in, you know, getting them nice and big. And it's very often the, the bigger twin that you worry about. It's
2: so funny. You
0: think it's the other way around, like you yeah. did, but it's actually the little ones. feels like, I'm smaller. I must fight. <laughs> I must make sure I'm strong. And then they they are, you know, they're
2: stronger exactly. somehow. And like, I, it, it's exactly, I, I, when I met them, I was like, oh my God, like this tiny little one, I'm going to worry about him every day. And then it was Casper, the bigger one who had the, the breathing episode. And I was like, oh, I got it totally wrong. <laughs> like, and, and that's really yeah. true. Like they've been very healthy, knock wood so far, but Casper had a fever first, you know, Casper's a little fussier. So it's just, it's funny how expectations and I don't know, you learn a lot from your kids, obviously, but
0: they are the biggest teachers. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> the pregnancy
1: was really hard on your body, obviously with uh, all the pain that you you felt and the the Bell's palsy. Can you tell us a bit more about your physical healing mm-hmm. and how did you handle all of that emotionally?
2: So it was very it was very interesting. Um, as soon as I gave birth, all the pain in, I had had in my body went away, like within a day. Wow! Amazing. My joints felt normal again in total I gained 80 pounds and I think the day I gave birth I lost like almost 20 pounds so just like there was so much fluid (laughs) the placenta two human beings you know like (laughs) it was just like (laughs) such a relief to have (laughs) all of that out of me that like I could move my hands again I could walk again I just like that all was a huge relief and my c-section was totally uncomplicated I mean healing from a C section takes okay. time, but I was very lucky that it just like it I had no complications and I have a, a little bit of a scar. I've seen a physical therapist to get my, you know, core strength back, but that's all been um good. The the biggest complication has been the Bell's palsy, which mm-hmm. I mean you guys can see me on the screen now. I have improved a ton, like at the very beginning the very beginning for like three months I couldn't move the right side of my face at all meaning like I couldn't blink couldn't smile I couldn't properly chew food or drink it was really 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 hard was it painful like it was paralyzed,
1: but were you feeling pain S- so
2: Bell's palsy for people who don't know anything about it it's um it's a nerve issue so your face has five branches of nerves in it and all five branches on one side of my face were impacted. And basically like, uh, just there was no, no function on that side of the face there. I did have a lot of pain in the beginning, but that only lasted for a few weeks. It, and the other thing is like one part of you that is impacted is the inside of your ear. So people experience that in many different ways, oh, wow. as dizziness as you know, I experienced it as magnified sound, which when you have twin sure. newborns is uh. out of control, let me tell you. <laughs> so oh I God. would put in like a, like a headphone or something just to kind of like dampen the sound, um, yes. muffle, muffle it, it a little cool. bit. and Or like the sound of my mm-hmm. dog barking was like excruciating to me. So yeah, basically the whole summer, June to September, my face had no movement, uh, wouldn't shut at night, my eye, uh, all that, and then oh, that's a long. It's time. a long time. It's it's also like that's like such a stressful time those those early weeks and months of a, a baby and just like having this thing on top. I just like couldn't handle it. Oh, also I should say my liver function returned to normal almost immediately after giving birth too. So all of that was
0: <laughs> pregnancy I was related. So good. I was going <laughs> to. Yeah. No, it's usually the pregnancy <laughs> just doing yeah. such a good job of managing everything.
2: And so then, and then in September, my face started to slowly change a little bit and it gradually has more and more. It definitely does not look like my face did before. I don't, and I now have something called synkinesis, which is like, I think I'm moving one part of my face and I'm actually moving another part of my face, which is a very strange thing mm-hmm. that mostly affects my eye. Like I. I I don't know how to show it. But like, if I if I close my eye, my my mouth curves up, like things like that, that just like, things are connected that shouldn't be connected, they grew, Mm -hmm. the nerves grew back, but they grew back to the wrong spots. And Mm -hmm. Bell's palsy is kind of one of those mystery things where they just don't know what the future holds, like, will my face go back to the way it was? Maybe, maybe not. I'm now doing all kinds of acupuncture and physical therapy to kind of try and help it along but yeah it's been hard and it's been like really emotionally hard too to just you change so much when you become a mother in so many different ways and then to just like look in the mirror and not recognize myself has been really a struggle yeah
1: yeah I cannot imagine yeah yeah so Elena when you told me that you had best palsy I remember I I googled it and I I found out that Uh, it happens uh, mostly during the third trimester of pregnancy and that it's actually more common than we think but i i never heard about it before so that's why i wanted you to come because on the podcast because i think you know i'm sure that there are other women that experience that and we never hear about it all these things that can happen during pregnancy yeah so I don't know. Maybe if you want to share a little bit
2: more about about that, yeah, what you learned about it, and so I I learned that it's it's three times more likely in pregnant women than it is in the average person. I also so uh, a very good family friend of mine is a journalist and uh, on television and asked me to come on, like a it's like a national morning show here to talk about what I had been through. So I did that in August, I guess, which. In hindsight, it was very brave of me because my face looked way worse than it looks now. Yes. <laughs> I went on TV. Very brave. Um, yeah, very brave. But uh, from that, I I a lot of women emailed me saying that they had had the same experience, uh, that they didn't know anyone who had had the experience, that they were so thankful to see someone talking about it. Um, but I got dozens and dozens of emails from people a lot of people who had had twins, wow. actually, so I don't know if they if those people were just reaching out okay. because of the similarity between them, or I don't know that's all anecdotal, but i did I did hear from a lot of people and and some people recovered very quickly, which is the norm like I don't want people listening to be terrified like I think the norm is that you go back to normal um and then some people like me were in like sort of a more of a long haul boat but yeah it's it's way more prevalent than I had ever. Known and I think talking to talking to doctors about what's been going on. I mean, Bell's palsy also is like impacted by viruses a lot. So there's, did COVID had something to do with it? Maybe had I had a virus, another virus that had something to do with it? Maybe. So who knows? Things yeah,
0: who knows happen. Yeah, and things do (laughs) happen. It's really how you cope with it. And I think you know, for you to have gone through the pregnancy you did had the experiences of, you know, them coming early, C-section, you know, baby almost there, no, do the C-section, Ghani, my Gani, I didn't know it was there. You know, like there's so much that has gone on. Oh, ask, come on, on radio, you know, come on TV after you, and TV, not even radio like we're doing, you know, and see your face. I mean, that is like, it's amazing. And, you know, even though we think that like you, when you, know, when you started, you said, oh, you know, that's going to be such a downer. It's so enlightening for everyone, for all women, because we all have such different experiences. And for you, yes, it's Bell's palsy. For another woman, it's postpartum depression. And for another woman, it's, you know, the breastfeeding or whatever. But it's, it's about how do we navigate these things?
2: Absolutely.
0: Um, and how do we, and how do we support each other as women? Because this is what it's yes. about, and this is why Deborah and I wanted to create this podcast. is about It's about women. It's about community. It's about we need to get back to that Absolutely. of supporting and loving each other through all of this stuff.
2: Yeah, and I mean it's an, it's incredible yeah, to me that we're sitting here in three different countries, and I feel so supported by both of you right now talking mm-hmm. about these things that are so <laughs> universal, you know, and hearing yeah, exactly. when I got all these emails from women across the U.S. like I'm here in New York City, which is super different than Oklahoma or Nebraska or California. And just hearing from people all across the country who have dealt with this—it's yeah, it's your your village. Your village can be a lot bigger than you think it is.
1: (laughs) And I remember last time uh, we saw each other, Elena, which is a long time ago. You quit your job and you said, "And I decided I want to write for a living." Mm -hmm. And I have always knew you were talented, but uh, now it's out there for everyone to see. (laughs) Uh, You you are an incredibly gifted writer, and what I love about hearing about your your story is that, you know, you are doubting, you are doubting until you are shown how strong you are and how good you are. you. You know. Tony kept saying, "Well done, yes, well done." <laughs> what you went through was fucking hard. Thank you. And, and you are here. You are you are standing in front of the world, telling your story on television, on national television, uh, and you are here <laughs> speaking on this podcast. It's not easy. It's not easy. Not everyone can do that. So I I really admire that. Um. Thank you.
2: Yeah. So thank yeah. you for thank you for sharing your story with us. Yeah, I'm 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 so happy to to talk to you and to talk about it, honestly.
0: And so, so what did you most enjoy? What do you most enjoy about being a mother? I mean, you've only been a mother for a short time, Mm -hmm. but what have, what have you been enjoying about being a mother?
2: So much. I mean, um, the other thing, the the last thing I'll say about pregnancy is that like when I was pregnant, people were like, Oh, you're going to, you're going to forget pieces of this. And like the hard parts, <laughs> I have totally found that to be true. Like <laughs> I have to like really think about it to <laughs> to get myself back to that place of not being able to walk up the stairs and not being able to, you know, like the the, the my children, the joy of my children has completely superseded that. Um, and I just, I, I don't think about the hard bits. They're not front of mind anymore. What I enjoy, I mean, being a mother is a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be I think I was like super uh, like I was saying before obsessed with the practicalities how are we going to do this what is this going to look like but I have found it to be just like so much more joyful than I was imagining I mean I'm not gonna lie the (laughs) the first few months with twins are a total shit show just like yeah. No, there's never a time when someone is not crying, or like there's never a time when somebody doesn't need something. Like, t- twin newborns are Religious. really a lot. <laughs> um But now they're seven months old. They're like, yeah, that's hard. They're hilariously cute. I think <laughs> something that I've, I've been thinking about a lot recently is like, everybody talks about how quickly it all goes, but I've been like really marveling in how slow things are. Like, how long it takes for a baby to learn how to do something. Like they're just starting to hold their bottles now by themselves. And I was like, wow, that took seven months. That's like a long time to like watch someone learn a skill. Like this is all so complex. Like everything that they're learning how to do is so, it takes so much like thinking and movement and power and control. And, you know, I, I've been really just, interested in that like I sort of had thought about it like oh you have like a tiny baby and then all of a sudden you have like a toddler who is running around and (laughs) talking to you but it's like no there's like this whole period in between where every day they're learning something else really small and that's been really really cool. Yeah and
1: how how did you navigate being the mother of twins in the beginning? Did you have any help? How did you organize yourself? (laughs) So the part that I
2: that I always totally forget about is, so they were coming home from the hospital. We didn't have, it was gonna be me and Sam and my mom was gonna help us like extensively for those first few weeks, but my mom got COVID and had exposed us to COVID. So the first two weeks of their lives, we were in masks at home, one, cause we didn't want to risk getting them sick. And two, it was just me and Sam. And that was really immersive. <laughs> <laughs> like we, we talk about it, crash course. Yeah, it was a full crash course. I mean, it was, it was great because I think by the end of those two weeks, we both felt really confident. Like we were like, we know how to take care of our babies. Um, and I think for Sam in particular, who had never really been around babies before, I think it was good for him to feel steady on his feet before we sort of like brought in a wider network of people. So like he didn't feel like he felt like he was, I'm the parent, you know, like he's the parent and he knows what to do. And these are his babies rather than like learning from my mom Christ. or his mom or somebody else. Um, yeah. So that was really, but that's all, it was also really like kind of fun in a weird way. Like it was really hard, but like, we just like watched movies the whole time. Like while we were up in the middle of the night taking care of babies, like we did anything we could to kind of like make <laughs> it feel like a slumber party. Cause like you're awake all the time. So like, how do we make it feel a little more fun? <laughs> and then after that, it was a lot of family help in the beginning cause both of our, both of our families live nearby. So that was great. My mom and dad were really involved. Another, Another huge blessing. And this is another podcast altogether, but my husband got postpartum depression, which happens to men much more commonly than I knew. So things really changed after that. He's now doing a lot better, but he was kind of down for the count for two months, I'd say. And in that time, Mm -hmm, we hired a nanny and I got some night help because it was just kind of Mm -hmm. me and two babies and it was not sustainable at all. So
1: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that that we don't talk a, a lot about uh postpartum depression for the father
2: yeah no it's and i again um, had something i'd never really mm-hmm. heard about and then now that he and he's been really vocal about it too and just hearing more and more about it the more you talk about something the more you hear about other people who are dealing with the same thing so that's definitely been the situation with that
0: yeah, it really sounds like to me that you guys have really been initiated into parenthood. Like big yeah.
2: time. Like, exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. Initi- the initiation of fire. That like, by fire. Big time <laughs> initiation. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, because you're a writer, um, are you thinking about writing about it?
2: Yeah. I, I your, your journey into motherhood? I am, and I've just, I've just started to feel like I'm in a place now to, to write about it. Like I have enough distance and, um, my thoughts about it are a little more clear. So yeah, I'm trying to now figure out what that's going to look like when I, when I write about this. So. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Great. Okay. So as we wrap up, um, what what the wisdom would you like to share with moms about becoming friends, which you wished you were told before?
2: I wish that someone had told me, I think there's a lot of fear about becoming parents or so I've, I have heard around me and felt around me. And I wish that that wasn't the narrative when it comes to first time parents in particular, because like, yes, it's, it's super, it's super scary. It's completely unknown. You have absolutely no idea what it's going to be like until you're in it. But like, when I spoke to other parents before I gave birth, it was a lot of like, well, just you wait, you know, like, this is a really... I don't know. It, it like started to sound scarier. And I, I shouldn't have listened to that because like, it it's what you make it, you know, like we, this is, it's still very much our lives. And now we just have these like two new cool additions who are a part of our lives too. Um, so I wish, I wish I hadn't glommed on to the, to the scary parts as much and had just like really focused on the fact that like it's, it's a super joyful, fun Indescribable thing. So, yeah. Thank you, Elena. Great. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story oh, with thank us, you guys. This was this was really really nice, and i I hope that I hope that other people find it interesting.
1: <laughs> wow that that was a lot to process. Uh, I think I'm still processing uh, Elena's story. It was a lot of information, a lot of emotions. And uh, also because she's a, an old friend that I haven't seen for many years and hearing uh, so much about what she's gone through, uh, I'm going to send her a voice note and and, and, th- and thank her and also tell her that I'm here if she wants to talk because she's been through a lot. Um, I don't know what um, transpired for you, Tony, but I think for me, it always amazed me how strong a woman can be. You can go through a shitstorm and here you are and saying what I enjoy the most about motherhood is that how much joy it brings me. Although it destroyed my body, uh, I was, my face got paralyzed. I have so much joy from having children, you know? I found that really fascinating. And I'm just in awe about women in general. I think that's the, and I think becoming a mother myself made me a more empathetic person. Like now, if I see somebody in the office and they're not in a very good mood, I'm like, oh, maybe she had a bad night. Maybe her baby didn't sleep or her teenager is giving her a hard time, you know. I don't know. I think it made me a softer person, uh, much more understanding. What do you think?
0: I mean, you took all the words right out of my mouth. I just I really feel <laughs> that I really feel that woman as woman. And you know it's so crazy because we we downplay ourselves and we think, oh, but you know, yeah, we just, uh, but you know, it's just what we do. And uh, but actually, women need to really get get this that they are so strong and so powerful, and yeah, they're just they're just incredible. I just it, it it really never ceases to amaze me how much a woman can go through, and I mean there are some women that can really get bitter and really, but I don't. I don't have many of those. I mean, I haven't found many of those. I'm lucky, in that you know the, the kind of women that I've found are really, you know, make the most of it. Like she said at the end, there she goes like, "Well, it's what you make of it." So, like, we had a slumber party. You're like, "Well, we were up for anyway, so we might as well make it a slumber party." I mean, I've never heard that in 27 years. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell it to couples. Like, if you can't sleep, imagine having a slumber party. I mean, that's, I think that's. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm very admirative about everything she she told us about and how she went on television. I mean, I've known her, you know, we were in our 20s and we were, I think, both full of insecurities. We didn't know what we were doing with our lives. I remember having lunch with her and she was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, you know. And and she wasn't so sure about if she she did the right thing, quitting her job to become a writer. And uh, she has been published in the New York Times. You know, it's like women, you are just incredible. (laughs) I think, as you say, women really need to believe in themselves more. It's really a question of self-confidence and self-esteem. And I think if you can give birth, you can do anything. (laughs) And yes, and because she had a
0: caesar, she still gave birth. Totally. Uh, And also what I really like is that she said that she, she wished she had trusted her body and listened to her body more. And I think that's what's yeah. come up a lot in all the things that we've spoken about is how to listen, really listen to your body, whether it's your intuition, whether it's your body speaking to you, trusting the process. I think it's, yeah, it's really important. Yeah, and, and I think she she also
1: touched on a very important topic is that even if you apply for C-section for health reasons, for medical reasons, it's still good to prepare because your mind needs to be prepared to give birth. Yes. Right? Yes, And if you are going to go into labor, you need to be prepared for that because no one is going to cope with the contractions for you. You are the one who is going to go through that. So even if you are planning a C-section for any reason, it's uh, still good to be prepared and it's still good to listen to birth stories and be in touch with your, your body. Yes, and We would love to hear uh, from you what stood out for you uh, from this story and uh for you to rate and comment on the platform that you are listening us on. Um, and you can even send us a voice note on Instagram or uh, on WhatsApp. Please reach out to us. We love hearing from you. And um, and you will see that uh, sometimes we, we use some of those voice notes uh, to share them with our audience. Uh, so we really would love that.
0: And you might be next on the next voice note. So send <laughs> us a voice note because you could be on the next one. <laughs> and um, so, so next the next episode is a client of mine from um, many years ago and it's a really quite exciting unique story um, so I'm very excited to share it with you guys um, she is preferring to remain anonymous um, just so that we that we are aware of that um, but it doesn't matter if we don't know her name um, but what we do know is that she had an amazing story Um, And that she's going to share with us and all her beautiful insights as well. The birth plan was my way or the highway. And I think because I have a Ghani as a dad, I felt confident enough to to be in charge. I think a lot of women don't feel like they're in charge. And actually that you are in charge. You've got to feel in charge. You can't hand over your power to somebody else to do this for you. It's woman's work. You've got to, You've got to do it yourself.
1: Thank you for listening to the Becoming Mother podcast. We hope you felt inspired, touched, and that you learned something.
0: Feel free to share the love and share this episode with your sisters, your mother, and your friends.
1: Follow us on social media. We are on Instagram and Facebook, becomingmother.podcast, and you can email us at becomingmother.podcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com.
0: If you feel called to share your story, reach out to us.